You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we've already gotten into it, so let's give this one a try. What do we have? I'm real excited. You should be. Today we are trying something that Kyle has never had and was surprisingly shocking to me. Uh, we have a very special can of Hetty Topper from The Alchemist. This week's guest, Hetty Topper. <laughs> so this, uh, if you didn't catch episode six, uh, foodandwine.com listed this as the number five most important American craft beer. As we were going through that top five list, I believe you had maybe only had one out of the top five. Which surprised me. Which I'm still getting flack for. Good. You should be. Yeah. Uh, so this heady topper that we have here. A little heady? A little bit. <laughs> there we go. Um, it. Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I smell. I, I'm smelling it. This room is going to smell spectacular. For those of you who do not know, heady topper is a double IPA. It is from The Alchemist. Um, it is a 8% ABV and comes in at 100 IBU. Um, it is brewed with a proprietary blend of six hops by The Alchemist. And this is a rarity for us. Um, from what I've read, um, The Alchemist will make random drops in different states. And it just so happened that uh, some of it made its way out to California. And I saw it floating around on the Instagrams of a few different beer places, uh, one of which happens to be up the street from where I live. So I had to make sure to stop by and pick one up while, uh, while it was here. Some places I saw like a limit too. Uh, the place I picked it up, literally just, I could only buy one. I'm going to guess they probably got a case, if not less. This, this is, this is otherworldly. Other, other I, I, it's hard to describe it beyond just amazing, incredible, really good. I, I get a lot of um, citrusy, almost like classic West Coast uh, double IPA hop flavors. Which is interesting um, because Hetty Topper is actually credited with kind of being the uh, godfather of the Northeast IPA trend. Hmm. I think it's the um, it's the like light, almost spicy hop character of of like these very citrusy hops going on. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to really it's hard to pinpoint one hop flavor over another when you've got a mix of six yeah. you know especially proprietary but in particular this is just very well balanced super bitter absolutely just a, yeah. a, a huge bomb of bitterness it reminds me of eating like an orange rind or some sort of citrus rind like when when you get when you're done and for some reason you just happen to bite into that rind yeah you get that that bitterness but you also get the um the, the citrus from the zest on right. the skin right yeah, it, it does. It's a little pithy yeah. uh, to that point. Now, this is one of those that we had also covered that was, I believe, a cheddar. Oh, yes. Cheddy the, topper. The, the, yeah, the cheddar topper. That so, was in that beer cheese. I'm trying to now envision and, and picture sort of like this uh, lemon rindy, pithy cheddar flavor. If it were a nice, like, um, uh, sharp aged cheddar. It could work pretty well because you know that sharp cheddar has that bite to it, right? It probably also brings out a little bit more of the the pine characteristics okay. and kind of rounds it out that way. Um, but this is this is so good. I, I I have to just commend you and thank you so much for expanding my palate. We I do have nothing but uh, 
uniques here on this. I have had nothing but uniques here on this oh, show. Oh, that's a good trend. So I, I had this years ago. Um, I could take a second to look it up, so I will. Okay, now that I've tracked it down, I had this um, in October of 2013. I believe it came in a beer trade that I did, and I remember it being really delicious then. And since then, I've tried many, many, many other beers, and it still seems to stand up. Yeah, I mean, so this is averaging of the over or nearly 600,000 check-ins to this particular beer, averaging 4.61, 175,000 total ratings uh, since 2010. I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to, to actually well, finally try this. Also, one. if you calculate some stats here, that's 190,000 uniques to just about 592,000 total. While you're here experiencing it for the first time, <laughs> most users have had this three times. On an average On average, times. yes. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So the, that ratio is pretty nuts. It keep People keep going back. And just, just to kind of one-up that, uh, it, on the Loyal Drinkers box here mm-hmm. on untapped.com, uh, the top check-in to this is 499. So <laughs> whether or not that is is accurate, uh, 464 for the top as well. So we, we have sort of like your MySpace top eight, if you would, uh, <laughs> but for the top 12 uh, folks who have checked into this beer the most. And these are East Coast people, it looks like. Oh, so most definitely. There we go. Yeah. That'll explain part of it. Fenway. <laughs> Someone with an avatar of Fenway on there. Now, I think, let me actually click on the Alchemist and see. Now, see, that's the other thing. I've never had an Alchemist beer either. So this is both my first Alchemist beer and the first time I've ever had Hedy Topper. This is the only Hedy, or this is the only um, Alchemist beer that I've had as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like a, a trip is in order, maybe, to just head out to uh, out to Vermont. Vermont, yeah. yes. <laughs> Try everything. Um, it's really interesting seeing this pop up from all my LA beer friends that I follow on Instagram and Facebook and just yeah. see them all having this now. And you know, it's a special thing because literally everyone in my feeds has gotten a can. It, and those are all the people who are out getting all the latest West coast stuff. And there they are with this one can that you never usually see. Well, and just to put that in perspective too, Hedy Topper accounts for nearly half of the total number of check-ins, uh, for this brewery, for the alchemist. So out of out of fifteen barrels, their small production brewery, um, they're churning out, you know, half of the total check-ins that we have here on Untapped in Hitty Topper. I'm glad I'm I'm able to try this. I will say, like the the can is iconic as well. Oh yeah, like every everything about this is is just it screams craft beer. It screams like Instagram fodder. I'm I, I I'm not in the space now to take a a great photo of this, but. Uh, but I will have to. And out of all of the, like the brands that have redone their labels or rebranded some way, this, this one stood the test of time. I do appreciate the drink from the cans. They aren't, they're not being pretentious about the glassware goal here is to just drink it straight out. Now see what I'm looking for are photos of folks drinking this like at a beach or (laughs) (laughs) something on the West coast. Oh, here you go. A photo of Pliny and Hedy Topper side by side. There's, there's a, there's a classic pairing. That's the East Coast West Coast beer battle right there. Yeah, yeah. And two that, very, that the, is the Tupac and Biggie of uh, <laughs> the beer world. Yeah, yeah. I well now I, I've had both. Um, 
I remember the days uh, just being on the West Coast and never really uh, experiencing how rare these East Coast beers are because we just wouldn't we wouldn't get them at our local uh, bottle shops. But when Pliny did show up, it was like you get one, they're in the back. I you have to ask for them, and I'll I'll bring you one. Maybe if we're good friends, I'll bring you two. But that's all. That's all you get. Have any of you had the pleasure of enjoying some Heady Topper? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. All right, let's talk about some of the more recent updates to the Untapped app. The latest as of this recording is Untapped 3.2.7, and there are a couple of pretty significant changes in this latest release. Uh, the first of which is we've completely overhauled and reorganized and redesigned the settings part of the app. So if you go to your profile, tap on that little person icon on the tab bar, and then tap the cog on the top right-hand corner, that'll take you to the settings area. And settings, you can control things like uh, your username, your password, what notifications you get, whether or not we automatically select your Google Maps that are installed or whether you'd like to uh, adjust specific advanced settings like uh, scanning options and stuff like that. That's all inside of our settings area. The whole settings area has been regrouped into the following categories, account, notifications, and general. So in, in account, anything related to changing your username, email, password, or signing out of your account and signing back into another account, you can do through there. In notifications, you can adjust whether or not you get notifications for toasts, comments, being tagged in check-ins, whether or not you want them as pushes or through email, you can adjust that all there. In general, you've got like date and time, um, some localization settings. There's also the advanced section where you can choose whether you want to start the app up to the search screen or to the social feed. Um, just a lot of advanced things in there to customize your experience. Also in settings, you can get updates like we are talking about right now. If you tap the new product updates button, that'll take you to a specific list of the most recent updates to the untapped app and you can read more there. You can also now check into beers from a nearby venue page. So we heard the feedback that folks would like to be able to check into a place rather than a beer first. So if you're nearby a particular venue, you can go to that venue's page and tap the new check-in button at the top. That will then have you select from a list of recently checked in beers from that venue, and you can add that to a check-in. So it kind of pre-composes a check-in with both the venue and the beer pre-selected. That'll make it a little bit easier when you're out and about to uh, get those beers checked in. Yeah. Should make things a little bit quicker too, I hope. We've also made a couple of improvements on the account creation process for signing up with Facebook. So for new users only, Untapped only requests read permissions, and then we only ask for a little bit of limited information to create your Untapped account using Facebook. You then have to enter a couple of small bits of information, including your birthday, so we can verify that, and your country of origin. And then we can kind of sign you in straight away, and you can use Facebook to sign into the app in perpetuity. We also made it much easier to add beers to your lists using UPCs on beer bottles and cans. This was one that was requested quite a bit 
And now with the seller I'm looking at here behind us, it'll be a lot easier to grab a bottle, press scan, and add any of these beers to a custom list. Instead of searching for each individual vintage, yes, That's definitely. Right. <laughs> The 327 update also includes a number of bug fixes and improvements, like we like to get into every update that we have, um, but the few that we highlighted are some of the main points. You can always see the latest uh, updates over at updates.untapped.com for a full readout of everything in the new version. You can also leave us feedback by, again, going to the settings area and tapping the feedback button. That'll pre-compose an email message that gets sent straight to us so we can read it. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, koozies, coasters, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST at checkout. You'll get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off. Let's move on to our style of the week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here's Tim with more. This week's style is just heady topper. That's it. It's its own style. It it could be. It should be. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. This week we're going to be taking a look at the Bach. The style known as Bach. That's when you like you you hold the baseball and then you make like a, a slight move you don't follow through with your whole motion before going to the plate that then the batter gets to go and, and advance a base i'm trying to even figure out how that's a joke it's a balk is that a thing yeah b-a-l-k i didn't even know that was a oh. <laughs> see this is why you're the sports guy in the office <laughs> Or at least the baseball, the baseball guy. guy. Yeah, no, no, not the sports guy. No, this we are talking about the B O C K Bach with a long history. That's the that's the one um, with the the dance videos, right? No, is that oh Beck? Sorry, Beck. <laughs> how many how many more do I have? That's I think that's all I have. I think are you good? Did you no, get all? I got all. Okay, we're Feels good. We can good. continue. Yep. All right. <laughs> the style known as Bach was a dark, malty, lightly hopped ale that was first brewed in the 14th century uh, by German brewers in the town of Einbeck. The style was adopted by Munich brewers in the 18th century and adapted to the new lager style of brewing that they were doing at the time. Now, for those who don't know or haven't caught it in any of our past episodes, um, the lager style is referring to the cool fermentation and maturation in cold storage. So basically... You put it somewhere cold and let it store and mature there. Due to the Bavarian accent of the citizens of Munich, the word Einbeck, where the Bach originated, uh, it came out as Einbach, which translates to a billy goat. Okay. <laughs> because hopefully not because of the flavor, right? Yeah, okay. nothing to do with that. Just okay. purely coincidence of the way that the accent made the translation happen. Hmm. Um, and after that, that the bear basically became known as just a Bach. That was the uh, the the composer, right? The one who played the the piano. And uh, thank you. <laughs> Is that? That's I finally like, got that's, to use it. It's like to stop. Like not quit that should be it. the <laughs> end of it. No, it's there's my new bell. I've got a new Kyle bell. <sighs> Can't I? I'll. You know what? We're gonna ring it every time you get a little carried away with your jokes. All right. All right. 
fine with that. If you want one, I can give you one, but you won't use it as much. I'm not as funny. I don't think I should be allowed to ding myself. No, you'd have to ding me. Okay, but you all right, uh, that's fair. That's all fair. Right. I'll reach over. Uh, Bach is traditionally associated with special occasions such as Christmas, Easter, Lent, um, more of like a religious holiday association. Um, but they do have a long history of being brewed and consumed by Bavarian monks as a source of nutrition during times of fasting. When solid foods weren't allowed, got it. They would use the Bach turn to liquid foods. Exactly as liquid bread, as they would describe. Ah, especially with the the whole cool fermentation part. I'm sure there is kind of this bready like character to a Bach. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Um, there are actually several varieties within the Bach family. So there's a traditional Bach, which is sweet and has a relatively low ABV, like 6.3 to 7.2%. Uh, the color ranges from light copper to brown, and it has kind of a rich and toasty taste, with often with a bit of caramel. Um, another one in the family is the Maibach, which is also known as the Hellsbach or Hellerbach. It's basically a Hell's Lager brewed at Bach strength. Um, the Maybach is usually associated with springtime, likely because it's a bit lighter. Right. Kind of, I, I'm thinking of it as an adjacent beer to the Hell's Lager, and that being kind of like a, a very summery, springy uh, beer. I'm thinking specifically about uh, Hangar 24's Hell's Lager. And that one is, I mean, I remember going to like Anaheim when it was a hundred degrees outside and drinking that specific beer and having it kind of imprint on my memory as sort of the, this is what summer is. Um, I'm wondering what that taste would be like and whether or not it would be as refreshing at like 7%. But again, not one I've had before. Well, then we'll have to put it on the list. Mm Mm-hmm. Another one in the family is the Doppelbach, which I believe we've all mostly heard about. Um, this translates to Doppelbach, and as you would guess, it is a stronger version of the traditional Bach. Historically, this was brewed with high alcohol and made sweet, and again, like we talked about just a second ago, it, was, it, it served as a liquid bread, quote-unquote, for friars during their times of fasting when solid foods weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, these are traditionally from about 7% to 12% ABV. So you're getting a lot of um, a lot of sugar probably yeah. out of these, and and um, the baking quality it doubled in in this particular style. It sounds good. There's also the Eisbach, which is a traditional specialty beer of the Kolmbach district of Germany. Um, this is made by partially freezing a Doppelbach and removing the water ice to concentrate the flavor in alcohol. Wow. I'd never heard of this before, and I thought that was super interesting. You know what? That sounds like someone accidentally did this yeah. and then said, oh, no, 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 no. It's I meant to do so, that. It's just so much stronger now. Let's do this from now on. Definitely. I, I, this one is one that I want to go down and explore a little deeper, find out a little bit more about this one. Hmm. But these do range from about 9% to 13%. So you can see that the um, the ABV is creeping up a bit on this style. And the last one in the family is the Weizenbach, which is uh, brewed using wheat instead of barley. It was uh, first produced in Bavaria in 1907, and it combines darker Munich malts and top fermenting yeast, uh, and it's brewed at the strength of a Doppelbach. Mm. So again, a stronger, right. sweeter version, but um, using using wheat. So I'm digging into my unique history here and seeing what, if any, of this style that I've had before. 
So back in 2014, uh, I tried in the Beer Camp series, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company's Can Fusion, which was a uh, just a single bock, I guess, if we if you would. Looks like I liked it a lot. It, that one came in at 7.2 ABV, 45 IBU. But this was part of the series where they did a bunch of collaborations and uh, canned or bottled these um, these collaborations. Usually in like a uh, multi pack where you could try a whole bunch of them at once. This was this one was in collaboration with Oscar Blues, so it was here in Nevada and Oscar Blues together. I too had this one actually. Mm. It's a uh, dry hopped rye bock. I also had uh, a bock from Anchor Brewing up in San Francisco. Mm. It looks like I have had a four doppelbocks, uh, one of which comes from Einstock. Ah, okay, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is the Icelandic brewery. That's right. Yeah, they've yeah. got some really good stuff coming out of there. So with all these different kinds of box, the different families of box, the many different breweries that are brewing box. And all the other Bach puns that I could think of, this wasn't one of them. No, but you, with all of that out there, you don't don't wait to try the style because once you do, you can unlock our I'll Be Bach badge. Uh, this uh, This badge, which you can guess the theming of it based off of that line, can be unlocked by checking into five different beers with the style of Bach, Icebach, Maybach, Hellsbach, Weizenbach, or Doppelbach. All right. All right, let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. And first up here is... Uh, speaking of Pliny. Speaking of Pliny. Uh, Pliny the Younger brought in $3.3 million in economic impact this year. So Pliny is obviously Pliny the Younger is sort of the uh, one up on the Pliny the Elder. Uh, it's a lot harder to get. I've never had it. If we're talking about beers, I've never had. I've never waited in line for this. But Russian River Brewing Company is the one who makes it, and they release their highly coveted triple IPA Pliny the Younger only once a year. And I think we made reference to this last episode, two episodes ago. Uh, talking about Pliny actually not being brewed in their Santa Rosa brewing. Oh, yes. This was with the last episode when the article about contract brewing. So beer lovers are flocking to their brewery in Santa Rosa, California for two weeks to line up for hours just to get a taste, like a four ounce to eight ounce taste. I know I know people who have gone every year. I have never had it. I have never made it to one. I've never gone to any of the local places that do it. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of um, local... Um, venues that do get Pliny, they often will have a raffle. Right. Um, I know that our you friends... You get your certain place in line. And... Yeah, our friends at the Four Brewers, I'm not sure if they put on or help, um, but they work with uh, Beachwood um, mm-hmm. down in Long Beach to raffle off tickets to try Pliny the Younger uh, for charity, which I ah, love as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I know there's a couple places nearby me that do it. Uh, it's usually on like a Tuesday afternoon and you got to make special, special care to, to show up on time and be in line and make sure to get your, get your spot. Um, yeah. But this past February, Pliny the Younger brought $3.3 million, like I said, in economic impact to Sonoma County specifically. This includes like um, hotel stays, eating out at restaurants, basically anything that a tourist would do in the area that would help bring um, income into local businesses. Right. So especially after last year's tragic fires in Sonoma County and throughout California, 
These numbers show that tourists are slowly kind of making their way back to the area, frequenting more um, like fun places, you know, going to breweries, going to wineries. Mm -hmm. um, And those places are finally starting to kind of uh, pick back up. Uh, The survey counted, according to the article, the survey counted 12,552 guests who visited specifically for this Pliny the Younger event with 67% coming from the outside areas. So I guess that'd be like, you know, Southern California, out of state, across the country. You know, you said you had friends. Are they local friends? uh, Some people from SoCal who make the drive up there every year. Um, if they don't make it to any of the local tastings, I, I hear it's just an experience to go up there. Like you're a true beer, like West coast beer lover. If you're driving up to Santa Rosa to experience the release at the brewery. Yeah. Um, they did mention that the numbers this year are lower than last year, but higher than tourism has been since the fires. And they, they, um, relate part of that to the loss of a couple of major hotels in those fires. Sure. So even with that loss, they're still seeing some really significant increases in the tourism. And I do know that Russian river is opening a new brewing facility in Sonoma County. I think it's in Windsor, California. I don't know the specifics on, on where it is, but, um, I have heard a lot. Uh, I've heard, I've heard it sort of, um, described as the Disneyland of beer. So if you can think of just a a completely tailored experience for beer drinkers and learning about uh, the process that Russian River goes through Mm -hmm. to create the beers that they have for for such a long time. Um, It it sounds like an incredible place, though. And it it is. It's Windsor, California. And they're saying that, um, you know, once this new facility opens up to the public, that it will also continue to help attract more tourism uh, to the area, which is great because, you know, after everything that went down up there and like in Northern California with all the fire damage that happened, um, seeing that turnaround, uh, is much needed and really welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of nice to see that whole area kind of recovering a little bit and, um, being able to, to bring more folks to the area. And hopefully this, like you said, little lower this year, but next year, you know, bringing even more people as, as that area recovers. One of the cool parts about Planet of the Younger, I think, is that each year the batch is different. Uh, so this year, in 2018, they say they added two new hops to the mix, including Idaho 7, which kind of gives it a little bit of a peppery taste, and Crystal, uh, which has sort of a grapefruit flavor. So each year, it's kind of uh, <sighs> changing, and so you, you can't just sit uh, and rest on your Yanni's. We're going to have to figure and, out uh, how to do a remote recording. Yeah. And next like if it whenever this comes out again which i would probably guess will be next february mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we got to figure this out and get Rem- remote there. show i'm just saying yeah <laughs> i really want to go i mean my my family's up in that area I, I i don't know how i have not just you know gone this is true and, coming yeah. from northern california this is a big surprise for you yeah yeah it'd be like being from vermont never having heady topper it's just I, my, my fault my it's fault just, our next article uh, follows the trend in our news recently uh, about breweries trying to look out for the environment and you know find better ways to use the waste from the brewing process and it is reducing food waste stuff like that turning it into food even yeah this article is entitled this british company is turning food waste into beer so according to pri.org in the uk 44 percent of all bread is wasted um and it's because they just cut off the crust, right? I mean, that's the that's probably the 
the reason. All of the sandwiches I had in Japan had no crust. That's really interesting. So I don't know what what happens to the crust in Japan, but uh, they were all like uh, like cinched on the edges, so they became these almost like uh, you reminded me of the Uncrustables, those like frozen exactly. sandwich things. Exactly. Yeah, what? but that not frozen. Not frozen. Yeah. Obviously, but that is so weird. Yeah. Okay. I doubt it's crust, but it's really interesting though. Um, a small company called Toast Ale, uh, which is a small British craft beer company, uh, picks up a surplus of bread and replaces a third of the barley that they use in their brewing process with it. Uh, the bread provides some sugars that turn into alcohol during the brewing process, which cuts down the amount of fresh barley that they need. So you're really tying this whole episode together. This is literally liquid bread. Exactly. Okay. We got we to gotta keep the trend going a little yeah. bit. The article goes on to say about one-third of food produced around the world is wasted, and producing that food emits uh, as much greenhouse gas as many individual countries. So, as you can imagine, that's a ridiculous amount of waste that could be going anywhere else to have better uses. Um, Toast's uh, commercial beers are produced at a brewery in the north of England that uses the heels of bread normally discarded by a catering company uh, that makes sandwiches. Listen. The heel of the bread is the best part. I disagree completely. Are you are you kidding? I avoid the heel. It. Uh, I'll take the heel. I'll be the I'm, heel. I'm going to start. I'll save all the heels from my loaves and I'll bring them in for you. <laughs> I don't know if I. Okay, I don't know if I want your old heels, but I. Those. It's the best part. It's. It is the most concentration of weight to crust. It's, it's the highest ratio of weight to crust, and as such is the the best like roasty bits of the bread it's i want oh, the spongy inner bread no way oh wow this is going to be a feud for a while yeah, it sounds it like <laughs> so as we know bread has a pretty short shelf life and donating you know old bread to other causes can be very difficult just because it's going to be stale or starting to just go bad and not be consumable by people so that's where this whole thing with toast ale comes in. Uh, they can basically use any bread that has neutral flavors, wheats, white, sourdough, and things like that. And then, as we mentioned, replace the malted barley with the bread in the beer recipe. Um, and it surprisingly doesn't change it that much in terms of taste. Well, it's only replacing a third of the malted barley, which is not, I would think, that much and isn't going to impart that much of the flavor. But... To my point about my enjoyment of, of that part of the bread, it probably does have a lot of the roasted characteristics that a malted barley or a roasted barley would have. This is true because that is the darker, more baked Bernie. Right, exactly, part. exactly. So during the brewing process, the bread gets ripped up into chunks and thrown into the hot water along with barley to make what's called the mash. Um, most of the bread dissolves in the hot water and the crusts are strained off along with the malted barley solids prior to fermentation. Um, one thing that they do note is that brewing beer with bread is a really hard work um, because the bread will float to the top, which makes it a lot harder to stir the beer during the mashing process. But that whole process is apparently an ancient Babylonian recipe. It says, uh, Toast Ale's recipe derives from a 4,000-year-old practice from the ancient city of Babylon in Mesopotamia. They say the, um, the Brussels Beer Project first revived this age-old recipe with a beer made from recycled bread called Babylon. Food waste activist Tristam Stewart set up Toast Ale in 2015 
after tasting a Babylon beer in Brussels. So that was sort of the impetus for this. I'm watching, I'm looking at a, a photo here of bread parts, kind of the, the torn up bread parts being dumped into the top of a, a mash here. Mm-hmm. They're just stirring it with like a shovel, oh, uh, yeah, trying right to in. make the, the little bread bits uh, sink to the bottom and, and soak up some of the water. It does seem like a pretty intensive process and, and a difficult one at that. But it's also, I mean, that it may be hard work, but it is a great use for something that would traditionally just get thrown away into a landfill and wasted. It does also kind of help you conceptualize the idea of drinking a beer because each of these toast bottles, each bottle has one slice of bread in it. So if you kind of think of like, okay, I'm getting the equivalent of both recycling a, a slice of bread and eating a slice of bread. <laughs> Not bad. No, not, not bad not at all. You just can't have this toast in the morning, probably. That's, I mean, you can. You can't. Okay. What I, <laughs> I guess more accurately, I'm not likely to have this toast in the morning. Um, last year, Toast Ales did expand to the New York City area, uh, where Toast Ale is sold in bars, restaurants, and in grocery stores. So those of you on the East Coast may be able to find this beer and pick it up. They've got a pale ale, a craft lager, and an IPA. So, what, what more could you ask for? That covers the bases, right? <laughs> Those are your, your craft beer bullet points for the day. Our next article comes from winemag.com, and it is why breweries are embracing hard kombucha. So America is in a beverage wellness moment as consumers seek drinks that deliver tastes and a sense of well-being. I actually read an article recently that some breweries are starting to brew lower ABV beer specifically for millennials, so they don't get drunk as fast and post stupid things on Instagram. Probably a, a, a good thing in general, right? Yeah. And it, I, it, you can, it'd be less than a single toast. Like, you got your avocado toast, You your your toast quota is sort of like, that's already ticked. You got to get now a beverage to pair with it that isn't a, t- a whole toast. It isn't a whole slice. <laughs> exactly. Uh, And I mean, if you walk into any sort of specialty market these days, you'll see how many different juice options and press juice and this and that. Oh, yeah. The the wellness beverage industry is very big right now. I bought an entire jug of orange juice made from oranges crushed by a robot in Whole Foods. It was $10 for a liter. This is real. This is this is the oranges are crushed by a robot. Well, it's a machine. I I'm just kidding. Robot sounds so much cooler though. Right? That's what I'm saying. No, now I'm just now it just it just went to like a pressing machine. Yes, Kyle. Which how much orange juice would you like? Oh my god. (laughs) Juice spot, please. One liter. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Except you you can't put anything else but oranges in there. Oh, Alton Brown would be very sad about the unitasker. I mean. You put cucumbers, you could put apples. It'd just be a robot that juices for you. And this is true. You just like select the juice and it drops all the fruits into like a conveyor belt. But instead of just going to some stupid blender, it's literally just like a moving robot that yeah. makes funny noises. Yeah. Okay. We've got the Pasadena has a robot run burger joint that it's the robots in the back flipping burgers. Why not the robot juicer? I'm just saying. Just saying. For sure. Uh, So instead of an alternative to alcohol, hard kombucha is now becoming an alternative alcohol. So to make kombucha, you take tea, you add sugar, you toss in a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, uh, which they also call a SCOBY. 
Yeah. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Don't look that up on, on Google Images. It is not pretty. Most mainstream kombucha contains less than 0.5% alcohol by volume, which is the legal limit by the FDA for alcoholic beverages. Anything less than 0.5, they don't have to worry about. Um, brewers such as Boochcraft, which is out here in California, are upping the ante with their 7% hard kombucha. Uh, Boochcraft was actually started after brewmaster and co-founder Andrew Clark became sensitive to gluten. Um, he loved beer. He brewed beer. He, it was what he loved. And then eventually he kind of created this sensitivity to gluten and decided that he needed to seek out an alternative to beer. Uh, many other breweries have begun to follow suit. Uh, Oregon's Full Sail Brewery uh, recently released a Kyla, a duo of 4.5% ABV hard kombuchas. Corey Comstock, the CEO of Full Sail, says um, it's a reasonable level of alcohol, 100 calories, and less than two carbs and two grams of sugar. That is something consumers can feel good about drinking. They're not afraid to have more than one. I myself, I think I've only sipped kombucha once, so I don't know too much about it. Mm. Um, I don't really have any sort of bearing here. At one point, I was probably a uh, heavy kombucha drinker, if you would. Uh, uh, the 0.5% alcohol kind. Um, Not the 7% hard. It, 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 it is a poor... Um, it's a poor substitute for soda because it still has sugar. It still has carbonation. It does have tea, but you're still getting a whole boatload of sugar. So a lot of times I would try to find kombuchas that were, you know, either sugar-free or very little sugar, just enough sugar to, to kind of add some carbonation to it. Another brewery that many of us have heard of, uh, Rogue Ales, recently released a beer called Culture Clash, which is actually a blend of kombucha and a custom-brewed Imperial Blonde Ale. So they weren't going straight mm. up for um, making their own line of kombucha, but rather kind of working kombucha into a very special um, beer. So I have tried two of Boochcraft's uh, kombuchas, the Ginger Lime Rose Hips kombucha and the Turmeric Tangerine Ginger kombucha. And just to kind of round that all out, uh, I have also tried the Triple Goddess Raspberry Kombucha Beer. So Unity Vibration is a, a company that makes this that makes a uh, bottled version of this. Um, and they take their 30-day brewed kombucha, organic dried hops, and either organic raw ginger root, organic fresh raspberries, peaches, or three types of hops, juniper and grapefruit rind, and kind of combine that all into one aged, open-air fermented oak barrel, um, and then put it in bottles, in bottle condition. That actually sounds quite delicious. It, it, it was thoroughly enjoyable um it was the first experience i ever had with uh i guess what would be considered kombucha beer so if you're looking for kind of a gluten-free hoppy alternative that's a it's a pretty good one all right our next article comes from reuters.com they say beer is not beneficial german court rules so i guess reuters isn't saying beer is not beneficial i'm sure reuters doesn't have an opinion on this they're just reporting the news uh german courts are ruling that beer is not beneficial a top German court has ruled beer cannot be marketed as beneficial. And they ruled on Thursday after a consumer rights group sued a brewery on the basis that its advertisement falsely suggested the beer had health benefits. The standoff with a brewery in southern Germany began when a Berlin consumer protection group protested the use of the German word Bekomlich. 
carries connotations of health as well as tastiness. I guess I'd be like uh, like umami was for the beer that that we tried. It, there is no you know implicit health benefit to the flavor of umami, but if it carries connotations of health as well as tastiness, this German court says, uh-uh. Yep, exactly. The German court also said that Bekumlich does not have a direct English translation, but would be something akin to wholesome, described more than the taste of beer. The term is understood by Germans to mean healthy, beneficial, digestible, according to the court, and when used to describe food, it specifically means that the product is easily absorbed and tolerated by the digestive system, even alongside long-term consumption, the court said, adding that beer sometimes did cause health problems. Once the world's largest beer consumer and famed for its annual Oktoberfest beer festival, Germany's consumption has dropped 17% since 1993. Wow. It's quite a bit. That is surprising. Quite a bit. The branding for beer is just, it's everyone one-upping each other. Um, I, I saw one that had like a Space Jam logo on it this morning. Um, yeah, it, it, you, can, you can say anything, but German courts are, are obviously not, uh, not okay with that. No, especially when you make a false claim like this. Like Michael Jordan is inside <laughs> the, the can, right? That would be pretty cool. Is that not the? Is that not what the Space Jam logo means? <laughs> Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah, I think you are. Okay. I, I, imagining a beer that is marketed with the word like healthy and beneficial, uh, that would not fly. I do find it very interesting that there is no English translation of this word. That tends to happen with a lot of German words. Um, like there is a word for the cold side of your pillow in German, so far as I know. So it's the. Kissen Kule Lazal, the ineffable pleasure and instant relief of a cool pillow. Also kind of, I guess, translated in English to pillow chill refreshment. <laughs> so there's a lot of these like German words that, that try and describe uh, a feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, if this brewery did it a little more tongue-in-cheek or if this was meant to be a literal uh, translation or a literal feeling for this beer. Because I, I, I've seen also that a lot, where it's like... There's a lot of beer is life or like good health when you drink toasts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see it kind of folding into the culture. But I mean, to say that it is healthy and not going to cause some sort of health problem over long-term consumption is just a little silly. Yeah. Now it's time to answer some of your questions about Untapped. If you've got any questions for us, be sure to send them over using the hashtag AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, this week, our question comes from Matthew on Twitter, and he writes in, Hey guys, I have a question for the podcast. What is the difference between a top-fermented and bottom-fermented beer? I, I'm raising my hand over here. I'm curious as well, because we've said this a couple of times in relation to the brewing process. Uh... In particular, when we're talking about a style or the changes to a style, um, and they seem pretty imperative to how a particular type of beer is made. Mm-hmm. They, as you can guess, the terms have a pretty literal translation to what they're doing. Uh, top fermenting, which is basically like ale yeast, uh, they're generally regarded as top fermenting yeast since they rise to the surface during fermentation, um, creating a very thick and rich yeasty head. Obviously, that's where the term top fermenting 
comes from, and okay. it's usually associated with ale yeasts uh, specifically. Um, top fermenting yeasts are used for brewing ales, porters, stouts, alt beers, kolsches, and wheat beers. Uh, some of the styles that we have covered in the past, and that's probably where those terms you are ringing a bell from. Yeah. Um, as far as bottom fermenting, um, that's usually lager yeast. Um, they grow less rapidly than ale yeast. And with less surface foam, they tend to settle out to the bottom of the fermenter as fermentation nears completion. Well, this is why they're referred to as bottom uh, yeast. Some of the styles made from bottom fermenting yeast are Pilsners, uh, Marzins, Box, and American malt liquors, interestingly enough. So I guess there would be some temperature differences between like the the top and the bottom fermented, right? So for top fermenting yeast, uh, the temperatures there tend to range from 10 to 25 degrees Celsius. And for the bottom fermenting, that's a bit cooler. Um, that usually ranges between 7 and 15 degrees Celsius. I've been trying to change from Fahrenheit to Celsius now that I'm back from Japan. It's tough. It's really tough. I used to use it a lot in science. And now... I'm trying. Like today, it's supposed to be about 18 Celsius, uh, which still weirds me out as someone who does not know the metric system. A little difficult. I've also been trying to do 24-hour time. Mm. That one, a little easier. because Plus you can, 12. You can do the math pretty yeah. quick. Um, but the idea is to not try and convert it. You know, you want to say like, ah, I associate this feeling or this temperature with this number now, rather than the opposite of that, which is like, it's 75, so now that means it feels like this. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting way to approach it. No luck so far. I'm, I'm still having <laughs> lots of trouble. But. Yeah, and just got to keep practicing, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that question, Matthew. Hopefully that answers it for you. And if any of you have any questions for us, again, you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram with the hashtag AskUntapped, and we will definitely try to get it into the show and answer it for you. All right, show notes are available at podcast.untap.com. And if you, of course, have any questions or feedback about the show, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped Everywhere. And if you have a second, head over to Apple Podcasts and give our show a rating and write a review. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and we'll work to incorporate all the feedback we can. If you're also interested, you can rate the app in the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store. All right, until next week. Cheers. Cheers.